0: Welcome to the Michael and Chauncey Show
1: Hello and good evening tonight to the Michael and Chauncey Show Um, We have a great uh, evening in store I'm online with my uh, co-host Chauncey Brown III Um, He also has his own radio show, Conservative uh, Talk Radio um, and as everyone knows, I have uh, live with Michael Bloomberg Jr. Show. We have exciting night tonight. We have um, Earl Weber, who's running in California for U.S. Congress at District 37. And uh, unfortunately, Joe Collins was unable to uh, make uh, the call tonight. Uh, he has a meeting in Texas, um, and he's running for California District 43. So we wish him the best. But Bill Schaefer um, is going to fill in. He's a colonel. Uh, In in the United States Army, prior colonel, and he is running for U.S. Congress in Iowa, and he has agreed to uh, be on the show tonight, so we're going to interview him. So with that, um, we definitely, you know, there's a lot of interesting things going on with the impeachment and the IG report. But we really want to talk about um, California, um, especially with all the corruption that's going on, and also now we'll uh, talk about Iowa, which is a battleground state and the first state that the president is going to try to win uh, for re-election in 2020. And with that, I also have some very exciting news before I bring Chauncey on, uh, my co-host is that I've decided to uh, – I had previously been running for U.S. Congress at District 21 in Florida. Um, you know, God has really put on my heart. And he said, you know what? You have an unfinished business. This is something that I really want you to do, um, do the the work and and the people. I really want you to represent that district. so. I've decided that I'm going to re uh, put myself back in the race, and I am going to run for U.S. Congress for District 21. I'm going to refile my paperwork and uh, have an event Monday, and uh, I'm so excited about that. With that, Chauncey, thank you so much for being my co-host and uh, for everything you're doing.
2: Thank you as well, Michael, for having me on the show. Congratulations on your decision to help stand up and save America from this left social Idiotic ideology um, I also want to welcome The American people to our show Thank you for tuning in Here we have real issues, Real people and real talk um, And we give it to you straight So I want to thank the American people For listening in I want to thank my goals Michael for me to broadcast the show Nationally with him And with that Let's get to work on seeing the American people you, California California at the present time, wants to act like they're their own country. Uh, California, as we know, is an extremely progressive alt-left state. Uh, it, it's a shame what California looks like. I grew uh, in my summers in California, lots in L.A., I spend my summers there. But looking at California now is short of a third-world country, and I can't see Individuals keep getting reelected Like Maxine Waters Like Nancy Pelosi uh, Like Kamala Harris And these people living on the streets In tents And drugs are all over the place There's mental health issues There's feces, there's rats uh, This is not America And we have this from happening Michael It's a shame
1: Oh, I I agree 100%. You know, if you look at the dynamics of California, um, and you'll be able to talk to Earl Weber about that later on in the show. um, If you look at what's happening, though, in California and the state of California, um, you know, I've been deployed to third world countries. I've seen firsthand how when you fail to take care of your community, how you fail to, to take care of your state. I mean, honestly, the people are leaving. I mean, that is such a sign.  … of the corruption in California when people are leaving as fast as they can out of California because they don't want to see these things in their street. This is the United States of America, but the the people that have been ruling California from a political and civic perspective have been failing… The state of California for a very long time, and now you're starting to see the people starting to wake up, and we need legislators to come in in 2020 to save the community, to save California, because I think that they want to try to break away and do their own thing, which is, is very harmful to our sovereignty as a nation but also our continuity as an, a one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That's including the state of California, and some of their mindset is not in line with our Constitution.
2: You're absolutely correct You know, we need American patriots Who understand That we're public We abide by the Constitution Of the United States and look by it And we have legislators As you're talking about today In Congress have No respect for the Constitution Or their ignorance to the Constitution and it really is a uh, Pivoting to the Constitution How the Democratic impe- and Impeachment hearing has bastardized and disrespected the Constitution. It really is a shame. America's watching. America's listening. Um, You know, we look at what Hillary Clinton did uh, with smashing of her servers and all that, yet they want to bring impeachment against against Donald Trump because... One of them is uh, he didn't cooperate with Congress I think it is absurd so It's a sad that the Congress is using This as a political ploy to damage Donald Trump Do you really think that Donald Trump is worried about Joe Biden Or anyone else in the 2020 And for them to even assume that he is trying to 2020 election is ridiculous it is ridiculous only an idiot would believe that and it's sad that congress and nancy pelosi nadler and Schiff is just pushing this agenda through down the throats of the american people
1: should be ashamed of themselves absolutely you know if you look at the one of the things too is the congestion in california and also the power outages, like there, you know, with the massive fires and earthquakes. And, you know, they have so many natural disasters that impacts the quality of life of so many uh, people in the community, the citizens. And you know what? They get tired of spending their, their time in their car. No infrastructure changes has been made in California. The energy crisis is hitting there. I mean the cost of gasoline and natural resources is. Through the roof, and it's it's unfounded. You don't have a real reason why this is happening there. Yet you see the corruption. You see how they want people to rely on the federal government, and they want the federal government to bail them out. And then you see what happens when the federal government does bail out um, places and communities. They just take the money, and it disappears. You know, if you look at um, Baltimore, that's a perfect example. Millions and millions and millions of dollars were dumped into Baltimore. And where is the money gone? They don't know where the money went. Obamacare, all this money was supposed to go into Baltimore. No one knows where this money is. And Elijah Cummings was there. and everything is there's no accountability when these federal dollars are passed down to these states. So California is kind of the same, you know, they have the same kind of philosophy. They want funding. I mean, it, you look at it, it's like a third world country. They're in dire straits. America comes in. They try to save them. They dump money in there. You know, they, they try to help. You know, grow their economy. And but where does the money go? The money goes back into terrorist organizations. The money gets funneled to um you know th- to other you non-profit. know interested parties, and then yeah, the, the community isn't affected because of that.
2: Exactly because of the political corruption, it goes to everybody else. Whether it's corporate, nonprofit, political, donut, etc. But it doesn't get to the people, and that's the sad part. And we notice this in every state where they're led by Liberal Democrats. Even in the, yeah. the cities and states that are run by Democrats are a disaster. And the sad part is if they call Donald Trump a racist. What are the Democrats that are leading these states and these poor cities and these poor people. Hold their own elected people accountable. How are claiming Donald Trump was 60 years in these major cities and claim that he's a racist and he injected $100 billion in the new opportunities the communities for African Americans? It's sad that the media does the truth and people believe it. It's sad. America, we are at the in our country today. We're fighting for our country. We're fighting for our country to speak public. And of course, the the left is trying to tear it down. As we see the Democratic Congress with their fake impeachment and their phony hearings, there hasn't been one fact witness, not one, to testify in Congress. And these and these people are from California. I think Adam Schiff's from California, and also Nancy Pelosi.
1: Yeah, and Maxine Waters and a whole bunch of uh, Maxine you know, Waters. So I think. I'm, yeah, I, I think the the view the listeners are really looking forward to the interview with Earl Weber uh, again. Joe Collins he'll be on next time, but I want to bring in our next guest um, of the show, um, Bill Schaefer. He's a former United States Army Colonel. Um, he's led brigades. He's, he has a very decorated uh, uh, background and, and service to America, and uh, we, you know, I think he's going to be bringing a very big perspective into iowa politics um especially for the 2020 election not only in congress but for our president donald j trump so with that um colonel thank you so much for being on the show tonight
0: well michael thank you again for the opportunity it's it's uh it's awesome
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we need more people um, in Congress uh, fighting for the communities, fighting for the citizens um, and our future generations um, who have served our country. Um, As I mentioned earlier, I've decided, you know, I was originally running in Florida. I decided to jump back into the race because, you know. This is something that you can't just you can't let the establishment run over you. And I've been doing all these interviews with a lot of congressional candidates all over the country and just you know, something saying, you know, you gotta stand up and you gotta fight the establishment and Iowa's a key state. So we got about twenty minutes, so I'd love to talk with you about Iowa, the demographics there and fighting the deep state, fighting the corruption. You know, especially as somebody served in the military, you know, we have a lot of uh, esprit de corps together. We have a lot of, like, you know, uh, similar goals with what we're trying to do in Congress in Washington, D.C., fighting the swamp. And also, Iowa is a battleground state, so we can spend uh, some time here talking about Iowa and the significance of uh, running for Congress and and bringing about the change.
0: Well, I think that would be awesome, and and, uh, so I'll start with... You know kind of the the lay of the land here and the establishment politics i'm very surprised and very disappointed at this point in my run i uh, started in may uh with you know being a very loyal republican but i'm a conservative i'm a constitutional conservative and i started talking about the things that were important to me and what i quickly found out was while i'm sure they're good people the establishment has clearly wanting to deliver the Republican candidate to the, uh, to the Iowa District 3 constituents, and they want to deliver the same guy that lost the seat last year to the incumbent, uh, beyond my comprehension, but recently, or within the last 60 days, uh... our governor has endorsed the other candidate our senator Ernst, very disappointingly has endorsed the other candidate she likes to tout her veteran credentials and good honor i think she should be very proud of that as i am but she hasn't even given me the uh... The, an opportunity to talk to me hasn't hasn't uh, discussed politics with me i have asked i have reached out to her i've reached out to the governor and said hey i want to run um, you know, would you give me a few minutes just to talk to me about Iowa politics and give me your advice on running? And very disappointing to me that a fellow veteran wouldn't even give me the time of day, and yet is now going to openly endorse uh, my primary opponent, who is a middle of the road conservative. He's a politician. He's he is, I believe, uh, malleable. The uh, to uh, to what he thinks voting blocks want to do. And I won't do that, I won't cater to any voter block. I'm going to tell the Iowans of District 3 who I am and what I stand for. And what I'm looking for is the opportunity. And what I expect the politicians to do, what I expect the party representatives to do, is tell every Iowan in this district and every Iowan in districts across the country who is running so that they can choose their candidate. I'm not sure, I'm not comfortable that we actually have a representative republic When the party is delivering candidates to the people and not giving them the opportunity to choose.
1: Uh, Colonel uh, Schaefer, I I agree 100 percent. And that's what I was facing down in Florida. Um, You know, they they have, you know, in District 21 in Florida in 2018, they had no one that (coughs) ran. So Lois Frankel ran unattested. No one ran against her. And in, in 16 and 14, before that, there was a lot of dist- redistricting, and you know they do all these different things, and uh, Paul Spain was running down there, and, and he only got 30 percent of the vote. He didn't really get a lot of backing. So these type of things are, are really alarming and concerning when you see – um, people trying to serve the community, trying to rise up, and they're not lifetime politicians. I think that that isn't a qualification. Being educated, having experience, serving your country, these are all things that you know. In investments and information uh, in policy, in, in actual laws being delivered, in program delivery being able to run programs, being able to interpret law, all these different aspects that are critical, not just because you're friends with so-and-so and they want to get you a seat at the table. That's where we're fighting, and a lot of candidates that I've interviewed and, and you know, my experience running for Congress and now getting back into the race has been that kind of level of corruption. And at the end of the day, we're just fighting for America. We're fighting for our Constitution. Everyone should have a clear path to be able to do that. But as you mentioned, if someone's giving, you know, we're just going to obviously – Nominate this person. They who's to say that they're the best candidate? Who's to say that they're going to go up to Washington D.C. and actually fight for the constituents? Because as you know, the deep state has taken over, and a lot of people are rhinos. So they're vote they're they're running as Republicans. They're getting pushed forward by the GOP locally and nationally, and then they get up to Congress and they're voting as a liberal. This is harming us. It's harming the people of Iowa. It's harming the people in Florida. It's hurting the people in California. It's hurting us all over this nation, and that's how socialism is starting to take over. So um, we're on the Michael and Chauncey Show uh, with my co-host, Chauncey Brown III, and we have our guest, Bill Schaefer, who's running for U.S. Congress in Iowa District 3. Um, why don't you continue on that line of thinking as far as Iowa and, and the change that you want to make? You know, if you can talk to these people in your community, you know, you have the listeners of the show here. What would you tell them? What are you trying to drive forward in Iowa? Because Joe Biden's trying to win Iowa. Bernie Sanders is trying to win Iowa. And subsequently, the U.S. Congress is trying to stay in power in 2020 and beyond so they can continue, continue to push their – Uh, socialistic agenda
0: yeah thank you and I want to say hi to to, uh, Chauncey thank you both for letting me on the show Uh, so you know what I want first is to deliver the islands at District 3 an opportunity to choose their candidate and if I have the opportunity to to speak directly to those folks uh, then I want to demonstrate to them I want to earn their opportunity I don't want them to just turn to me because I'm a veteran and against the opponent because he's a uh, politician. Uh, but what, what I want him to do is understand my career and what I have done up to this point in my life. 32 years in the Army, uh, senior levels in the Army, policy making, problem solving, uh, a experienced leader, uh, both in uniform and out of uniform as a senior director of human resources in delivering policy for large organizations and living within that policy. What the islands of District of 3 will get from me and what the nation will get if, if I'm offered the opportunity to go to Washington, D.C. as a U.S. congressman, they'll get a constitutional conservative. They'll get somebody who will not pander to voting blocks, but will tell the people what he stands for, just like our president does. I will support the American, uh, America First agenda. I will tell them I'm a Second Amendment supporter, for example, and I will absolutely not support term limits, which my opponent does, because you can't tell folks you're a a Second Amendment supporter and then then support a policy that violates three of our first ten amendments, which is an opportunity for me to transition to my my, uh, support for our Constitution in its entirety, not picking and choosing it, not trying to to uh, be smarter than the rest of the people that elected me and find ways to compromise, not on our Constitution, not on the First Ten Amendments in our Constitution. So, look, I'm not a career politician. I'm a term limit supporter. I'm a balanced budget supporter, and I will not become a, uh, a politician. I will deliver for the people of Iowa District 3 and this nation for the entirety of the time that they allow me the opportunity to serve them.
2: Thank you for your service yes. to our country. Mike, I just want to say thank you, thank you. Um, to the colonel for your service to our country. And uh, we, no, I need appreciate more people. we need more people like you with your background to stand up, to fight for America first, who understands the Constitution. You know, yes, uh, establishment, we know they don't like us, okay, but I appreciate what you stand for and uh, I wish you all the luck in the world or whatever we could do to help push your agenda forward. We're here
0: for you. Thank you. Well, thank you. And, you know, one of the problems with the establishment politicians, I mean, there's nothing wrong with what they've done. This gentleman has had a career in politics. Okay, Uh, great. But my problem with it is at some point they become more focused on the next election. They become more focused on being in agreement with uh, with peers and with other folks who are looking for um, middle of the road kind of opportunities, and many of these topics don't deserve middle of the road uh, answers. And so they, they, the the uh, the soft language that makes something sound good. For example, we talked, uh, and I think I talked to Michael last time about the the words illegal immigration. Well, that's already a misnomer. Uh, that makes it sound emotional, and emotional policymaking doesn't work. So we got to address problems head-on. And the southern border problem is an illegal entry, the the violation of a so, of a sovereignty of the sovereignty of our country. And uh, immigration, legal immigration, should be a completely separate uh, conversation. Just to demonstrate the difference between soft language that causes emotional reactions and straight language that allows you to get to a policy.
1: Absolutely. You know, that's a great and very high-level viewpoint of what it takes to really understand and make rational decisions. One of the things that really are, you know, when you're fighting corruption, the reason why there's the corruption that you're fighting is because of the financial act. People have a financial interest in politics because there's a kickback. For example, if you have a health care company, and you have a contract with the federal government, it's going to be in your best interest to get that bill passed that's going to give your company an advantage over your competitors. So these things, you know, when you when you talk about term limits and people being lifetime politicians, you know, I don't want to be a lifetime politician running for U.S. Congress. I'm running for U.S. Congress in Florida because I want to help the community. I'm tired of people being, you know, forced to work in a box versus just being independent. The the. The, the reason that you and I serve, Colonel, is that we can provide freedom to the American people. That's the number one reason why we serve. We put our life in harm's way. We go above and beyond. We, we make the difficult decisions so that Americans don't. Um, uh, American families should – this isn't a third-world country. We're so blessed where we live at. But they don't have to make – they shouldn't have to make a choice whether they're going to put their kids into daycare and they can go have uh, you know a good job. Or They have to stay at home, and one person has to work. I mean, they should have the ability to do different things that are going to put them in a great opportunity for their family. They shouldn't have to make these tough decisions whether, okay, can we afford uh, milk this week or do we put gas in the car? Because those are some of the things that the American people are facing every single day, and no one is talking about that. And that has me fired up. That's why I want to run for Congress. That's why I support candidates such as yourself. That's why I support other candidates in this country who are running for Congress. We had Angela Roman on the line. She's running for Congress Congress (laughs) in Oregon. We had Deanna Lorraine who's running against Nancy Pelosi last show. We have to get these candidates to the front of the line because the enemy of the state is not going to allow them to win on merit alone. Amen.
0: Right, and 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 you mentioned the uh, the freedoms, and, and that is just spot on. You know, I'm a big believer in, in the uh, American exceptionalism concept. But it's not because an American in particular is better than anybody else. As a matter of fact, if you look around, Americans come from all corners of the globe, true Americans. But the okay. thing that makes them exceptional is the freedoms that we've had, the freedoms that we're – Started with our with our uh, uh, Constitution, uh, which codified our, codified our Declaration of Independence into a document that ensured that the people, we the people, were in charge of the country and we the people were free to do things. And and Michael, you're spot on. I've been around the world. Uh, I've seen the opposite. I've not just read about it in books and and heard silly politicians in the United States talk about how great some other form of government is, I've seen people being completely controlled by, the, the, by their government. And every time we allow the federal government to insert itself into any particular topic, that's an additional freedom that we lose, uh, both at the state level and, uh, and, more importantly, at the individual level.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Colonel. The thing about it is, that we have Bill Schaefer on the Michael and Chauncey show. He's running for uh, U.S. Congress in Iowa District Three. Um, what is your,
3: you know,
1: I want people, you know, to be able to donate to you and, and contribute to your campaign. Make sure you give your website and where people can connect with you here in a few minutes. But um, we don't, we can't afford to give up freedoms. You know, the first thing that people want to take when when you talk about socialism is the guns away. So our forefathers wrote into our Constitution a Second Amendment to protect the First Amendment, and we talked about this in our interview on the, uh, the episode the other day, Colonel. But why don't we give the listeners a little – from a military perspective and your experience, your background, what it means to actually have freedom and to actually have that infringed upon and what that could potentially mean for the American people when they don't even see it happening in front of their eyes.
0: Well, you know, in many other countries, the, uh, you can't even travel across town or from one town to another without permission. You certainly can't own a, own a weapon. And you are required to stay within a certain box that is, that is set forth by the uh, the laws of, of that particular country. And, you know, in our country, uh, we have freedoms guaranteed by our Constitution uh, personal freedoms that are outlined in the Bill of Rights that allow you to freely speak, freely practice your religion. The consequences of your free speech come from your fellow citizens, not from the government. That is very unique and very special in this country. The Second Amendment, which uh, gives you the the uh, right to own a weapon and you know protect yourself, protect yourself from the government protect yourself from any kind of threat uh, or target practice or hunt. These silly conversations folks have about owning a weapon being for hunting. That's that's uh, again that soft language, trying to make it sound less uh, egregious when you go to take somebody's weapon away. You talk about the purpose of that weapon being self protection, protection of your person and your property, uh, and then it's it. it comes, the gravity of taking that away becomes more significant to folks.
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, we have a few minutes left here, and definitely I want to to give people your website, but let's talk about, just for a couple minutes here, Iowa is the first state. It's talked about every election cycle as the first state. Um, We have uh, Trump, and, and, you know, he's going to, you know, obviously he's trying to be president (laughs) again for four more years, but you have these other people, um, uh, Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, and the way they're pulling out in Iowa is Trump is the head um, in New York Times and Emerson versus Biden and Warren. Um, but Emerson, of, of all the polls that I've been researching, Emerson, and of course, you know, these polls, you can never really believe them anywhere, and but in Emerson... They're trying to say Sanders is a plus two over Trump in Iowa. And I wanted to know your perspective on that. And uh, what do you think about uh, the fake news that's being put out there with the impeachment and uh, really just trying to impact that 2020 election, which is really what the witch hunt is all about?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I think if we didn't learn it before, the last presidential election taught us just how biased the polling is. Uh, you know, up until you get within uh, a few hours, really, of the actual elections. And so the idea that, that a uh, devout socialist, uh, a social elitist like Bernie Sanders an elitist like Joe Biden is leading in Iowa, I just, I just can't buy it. Uh, now, we do have our population centers. where folks tend to vote a little bit uh, to the left. But I don't think these people are, are uh, robots. I don't think that they're lockstep with vote in a particular way. And, and I think many of them are, uh, are leaning toward the uh, conservative side of politics at the federal level. And I know the more o- opportunity I get to talk about the federal republic and, and the purpose of your federal representative versus the local, the more ground I get. The demographics here are are in my district specifically, but pretty much across the state, folks are registering about a third, uh, a third Democrat, a third Republican, and a third independent, with a lot of, with some Libertarians thrown in there. But I'm very confident that that independent group is leaning toward the president and leaning toward true conservative politicians, and I think they would be doing that anyway. But the impeachment is, I'm confident very much driving us as a country uh, toward the president, because, you know, here you get the charges put out this morning, and, you know, they have no valid, uh, no valid charge to start with, no valid reason to do an investigation, and yet they charge the president with obstruction of Congress. I mean, most people are looking at that and going, that's silly. There's obstruction of what? Uh, Obstruction of... (laughs) something that he did, that he never did um, uh, and so you start an investigation for, for no reason and then at the end you charge him with obstructing an investigation into nothing. Um, so you got that and if anybody is is uh, watching any of these hearings or these circus shows that, as they've been called, or even if they're just getting a reasonable analysis from their favorite pundit, Uh, they got to realize that this impeachment, uh, as it stands today, and unless some earth-shaking news comes out that the president actually uh, did something, uh, as it stands today, the impeachment is nothing more than a political effort to keep the president with negative press so that they can try to increase the probability of getting one of their Democratic candidates. Candidates competitive. I believe the Democratic Party right now, uh, and I think they're right, that none of their candidates are competitive in the general election right now.
1: Absolutely, I agree a hundred percent. These people are absolute joke. But thank you so much, Colonel, for coming on the show. I know Chauncey and I are, were thrilled to have you on. Thank you for coming on at the last minute. Uh, you know, you know that uh, Joe couldn't make it on the show tonight. He's running against Maxine Waters, Joe Collins. That is. So we appreciate you. I wanted to get you on the show anyway, so it kind of worked out perfectly. One man's misfortune is another man's uh, opportunity. That's how I always look at life. So, and, and I also believe yeah, that absolutely. things happen for, and I believe that things happen for a reason. So God must have wanted you on the show tonight. Uh, that's how I have you. How I view life. So uh, why don't you give your information and uh, thank you so much again for coming on the show.
0: Listen, thank you very much, and Chauncey, uh, I it just was an awesome opportunity. Enjoy talking to you fellows and my website is shafferforcongress.com s-c-h-a-f-e-r-f-o-r congress.com and there is an email on there contact at shafferforcongress.com i love to hear from folks I try to get this out as much as I can that I uh, enjoy getting guidance I enjoy getting questions come on to the the email and talk to me visit my website Uh, Iowa District 3 specifically Study on me Understand that the primary is 2 June Select your candidate I want you to select me But if you don't uh, That's okay too Just know you have a choice Thank you so much
1: Thank you Colonel Schaefer Have a great day God bless
0: God bless you guys Mm -hmm. And Merry Christmas Happy holidays to you as well sir
1: Hey Chauncey Thank you so much That was a great interview What did you think about that?
2: Mm -hmm. I'm going to repeat what you just said. The most high does not make any mistakes. We're blessed to have the colonel on our show today. and We're sorry that Joe, unfortunately, could not be on the show today. Uh, Awesome insight into a person who has a military background, but also understands how government works. He understands politics, and he has experience crafting policy. That is a dynamic individual to have in Congress and he's a constitutionalist conservative. I think he was an awesome yeah, guest on we'll our to, show.
1: And and for absolutely, and for all of our listeners, we'll get all the uh specific information mm. for Colonel Bill Schaefer updated and place to Joe. Uh and so you'll be able <laughs> to get his information through our uh blog talk radio on the Michael and Chauncey show. And with that, uh time is just flying by on the show. Why don't it you is. Uh, on our uh, next guest, Chauncey, for your interview with
2: uh, Earl Weber. Uh, thank you so much. The next person I'd like to introduce, and if you don't mind, uh, Michael, you could open up his uh, his mic shortly. Uh, I want to bring on Earl Weber, who is running for Congress in California, which is an extremely challenging state for conservatives. Uh, that state, at its current state, is like a third world country. So we're blessed to have Earl Weber running for Congress, representing true American patriots, and trying to save the state of California. Welcome to the show, Earl. How are you today?
3: I'm doing very well. We have a lot of work to do. How are you doing?
2: I'm blessed. Uh, I want to say thank you as well for standing up, going against the grain, and standing up for truth and justice. Uh, We are blessed to have you and people like yourself running for office, trying to make a difference and telling the truth about the direction that America uh, needs to go into. Um, Today we'd like to talk about, uh, you can start off talking about sharing a little bit about your background with the American people. And then I would like to get into about California is looking like a third world country in the United States of America. So I'll let you start and, and, and talk to the American people, let them know a little bit about who Earl Weber is, and then we'll get right into it.
3: <clears throat> so, I'm a documentary film producer, and I was born in Kingston, Jamaica. My family yeah, and I came to the U.S. Yeah, man! It's yeah. From <laughs> Kingston, Jamaica. Uh, my ex-wife and, is
2: Jamaican, so my kids are, and, hold up, Earl, and my kids are Jamaican. So. Oh, my God.
3: You better so be careful gonna... or I might break out into the Jamaican accent for the entire phone call and nobody will understand anything we're saying. Go on, go on. So, so, my grandkids are going. So, so, I came to the U.S. with my family in 2002. And I became a U.S. citizen in 2012. In between that, I went to film school and studied film for four years. And right upon graduating college, I got the opportunity to go shoot a documentary in Zimbabwe about a group of Afrofusion musicians with disabilities. The interesting thing about Zimbabwe, let me give you a little history, and you'll start hearing uh, some of this nonsense that this country has been going through for the past 40 years. Before 1980. Zimbabwe was called Rhodesia, and then it yes. got its independence in 1980, and Bob Marley performed at yes. the independence ceremony, and Robert Mugabe took power. A couple yes. of years later, from 1984 to 1989, was a, uh, a civil war between the two major tribes, the Shona and the Ndebele. This civil war was called the uh, Gukurahundi, and it, over that civil war, roughly 30,000 Ndebele were slaughtered. You're probably wondering where I'm getting with this. You see, Mugabe needed to pay his troops. So what did he do? He seized the farms from the white farmers in Zimbabwe and then gave it to his cronies who didn't know jack about farming. This country that was once the breadbasket of Africa stopped producing because now they have centralized all the means of production. Now, when the country, which depends on agriculture, stops producing crops, naturally, exports suffer, their dollars suffer, and now we get to see this hyperinflation of their currency that had continued for the next two decades. When I got to Zimbabwe in 2008, one U.S. dollar traded for 870 million Zimbabwean dollars. The next day, it traded for 1.5 billion, 3 billion, 5 billion, and so it went on until the day that we left, when it was trading for 2 trillion Zimbabwean dollars to one. Zimbabwe was not only dealing with hyperinflation of their currency. They were also dealing with malaria and cholera, killing 300 people per day. They are dealing with a water main system that hadn't been upgraded since the Rhodesian days. They were dealing with an electric grid that was overwhelmed by the growing population. They were dealing with a government that was led by an autocrat who was bent on staying in power by any means necessary, including suppressing voters and threatening them or burning down their houses or having his cronies mutilate people who would not vote for Mugabe. This is how disgusting it got in Zimbabwe. So imagine as a documentary filmmaker, you're going to shoot a documentary about music and about disability. And these are some of the hurdles you get to see people experience on a daily basis. And it wasn't just there in Zimbabwe. I went around and went to Liberia and saw the aftermath of their 15-year civil war uh, back in 2011 and saw the destruction and the many years uh, that this country has been laid to waste and is still trying to recover. After many years of doing documentary film work and all the learnings that I've had uh, over all of these documentaries, I thought it was time for me to take all these learnings and apply them to policy here in the U.S. So at the end of last year, the most recent film I've been pushing and showing all over the country was a film about police-community relations. And I believe it's incredibly important for us to build strong communities by including and embracing police instead of shunning them and uh, fomenting hatred for the police. So, of course, I was thinking to myself, after all of these months of film screening, and Q&A's and conversations with police officers and all that. What can I do next? What's that next step? And I, I contemplated, okay, I could run for lieutenant governor, I could run for a state assembly seat, I could run for Congress, and I found that a lot of my ideas rested very easily in the, in the seat of running for Congress. And I thought, you know, if you think of this as a relay race, where you create a documentary film, that's the first leg of 4 by 100 And then when you go out and you show the film and you engage the community, well, that's running the second leg. Well, you see, if you're a documentary filmmaker and you've made 22 films, then all you've been doing your entire life is running the first two legs of a relay. Now it's time to uh, finish the relay. So that third leg is running for Congress. And the fourth leg, the anchor leg of this relay is actually making legislation. So while creating awareness through documentary filmmaking is incredibly important, what's even more important is having a seat at the table when it comes to creating effective legislation. Now, we have to recognize that I'm running for a federal seat, and many of the issues, the quality of life issues that are affecting California, are state-level issues. Now, what is the correlation between the two? I want to show you really quickly. You see... while things like homelessness is a state-level issue, we need to recognize that there are many federal issues that if the federal representative is not doing an effective enough job addressing federal issues, we end up having a negative rippling effect when it comes to state-level issues and quality of life. And that is why I'm addressing federal issues that can shore up uh, the, the United States in such a way that the federal government is no longer creating a loophole or creating entrance ways, or creating access ways for people to exploit state-level uh, programming and state-level legislation. So, now that I'm running for Congress, uh, it's been an exciting uh, a couple months. You see, I became a U.S. citizen back in September 18, 2012, and September 18th of this year, seven years to the day, I declared candidacy. Congratulations. So now, yeah, thank you. <laughs> So now we are on a mission to reach this district that I'm running for, which is California's 37th congressional district. It's 719,000 people. It's 25% white, 25% black, 39% Latino, 9% Asian. And it has neighborhoods like Beverlywood and Culver City and Baldwin Hills and Mar Vista. But the median income is 45,000 a year. In order to scrape by barely comfortably in California you need to be making at least 80,000. So imagine if the median income is 45,000 a year and we have all these posh neighborhoods in the district. You mean to tell me that half the district is living at or under 45,000 a year? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Now, who has been the incumbent for the past 9 years in this district? Her name's Karen Daff. And she has been in the Cal- in California politics for many decades and has been in Congress for the past decade, yet there's a whole section of this district that I'm running for, which comprises Crenshaw and South LA and Leimert Park, that is still left in the same, the same atrophy, the same state it's been in for the past 10 years and nothing's changed. And people just keep voting for over and over again, expecting something different, and they never get anything different. So right now, instead of building this community, instead of changing our district instead of empowering our citizens, our representative right now, Karen Bass, is busy trying to impeach President Trump and making a fool of herself. So while she's busy making a fool of herself, I'm going to go reach out to the community, learn what they need, and bring new programming and bring new policy to this district so we can finally flip Los Angeles County red.
2: Thank you so much for that awesome Introduction on your background and the four legs of the race that you're engaged in. <laughs> um, I'd like to ask you uh, before we get into talking about more about the nature of California, being a so that was a, a question I'd like to ask you.
3: Coming from
2: Jamaica and your Jamaican heritage and you come to this country, how did you get to become an African American conservative?
3: It's very easy. Jamaica is a very religious country. Yes, uh, I grew up in a very, <clears throat> a very conservative camp, <clears> a very conservative family. Uh, mm-hmm. My parents are were both ministers in church. I grew up in mm-hmm. church. I was in church on Monday for church. I was in church on Tuesday for kids' church. I was in church on Thursday for boys' brigade. I was in church on Friday for. for for, for youth ministry, I was in church on Sunday morning twice. Uh, like, I spent five out of seven days of the week growing up in church. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was very natural that uh, my family and my family, we all grew up being very conservative. So <laughs> coming to the United States, it was just a natural progression for us to still continue to espouse conservative beliefs.
2: Now, so, you've been in this country. So,
3: I'm, yeah.
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mm-hmm.
3: You've been okay, this country,
2: okay? You've been in this country 17 years from 2002, correct? Correct. What do you see that African Americans don't see with the Democratic Party? How could you come here 17 years ago, even though your upbringing is conservative? The most African Americans in this country go to church are conservatives. Can you – can you and I'm very thankful that you're able to talk about this issue. How come
3: African-Americans
2: can't see that?
3: So I Within, will say, as a side point, that yes. African-Americans are coming around to, yes. to embracing, espousing, and championing their conservative values. For many mm-hmm. years, the Democrat Party – has been very effective at suppressing free speech, suppressing thought, and oftentimes it's with enabling or turning a blind eye to violent attacks in response to espousing conservative beliefs. So if you mm-hmm. know that you're going to be physically attacked or verbally attacked or, have your jo- or risk losing your job, of course you're going to be quiet about your conservative beliefs. Some people have gone as far as to totally disregard their own conservative beliefs to their own detriment. I know people right now who I've worked with. I'll tell you a story, I won't name his name, but he is an ex-military member. He's a God-fearing Christian who goes to church uh, multiple times a week. He has kids, he has a house, he has small businesses, he owns multiple guns. And then he votes for Gavin Newsom and votes Democrat. And they wow. want to strip him of his guns. They don't care about conservative values. They don't care about abortion. I'm, I'm just like, <laughs> so you will literally vote. And I asked him why he would vote Democrat. And he
2: says Against his interest. he is right. scared of
3: what people think about his, if he were to support Trump. He is worried about what he he, what people would think of him if he were to support President Trump? <laughs> because he do, he said out of his mouth, "I don't want to be treated like Kanye." You saw what they did to Kanye. I don't want that to happen to me. That was his his feeling. I'm just like, oh my gosh.
2: Yeah, that so that is a they, shame.
3: Yeah, they've gotten to the point where they have uh, they have threatened people in so many ways in their lives, when it comes to their business, when it comes to their personal life, that some people will clam up and will totally uh, go against their own conservative values. They'll compromise on their own conservative values and shoot themselves in the foot. So, we have to take into account when it comes to the black community, and I'm going to point directly at Los Angeles County for a second, there has been there's a huge subset of, the, uh, of my district that's black. 25% of the district is black. And they have been religiously voting Democrat for years and years because it's been burned into their brain that Democrats are for the black people. Democrats are for the black people. And then when I approach them, sometimes they come at me and they, they try to shout me down. And I'm thinking to myself, Why are you so vehemently defending a party that has, through evidence, empirical evidence, not done anything for you for the past 40 to fifty years? But you just keep voting for them and keep voting for
2: them. Not one major legislation by the Democratic Party has ever produced any results for the people that they purport to represent go all the way back to Lyndon Bain Thompson. Thank you. Who the Civil Rights Act, who was a racist and who was a KKK member and stated on a recording I will keep having those NI blank 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 voting Democrat for the next two hundred years. Yep. People don't read today. And people don't know our history. The Democratic Party has never been, in the history of itself, has been for the people. They've never passed any legislation to benefit people,
3: especially Now, think of for this for a second. And minorities. <laughs> think, of, think of this for a second. Barack Obama had eight years to prove himself. Eight years, the better part of a decade, to prove himself. The only checkbox black people got was that they got to finally stick a black president or half-black president in office. What did it No, 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 no. I'm sorry, now, There's two other things. What did you get hey, out one of One
2: second. Of? I'm going to tell you what you got out of it real quickly. You got, you got free cell phones and you got additional food stamps. That's it. Oh, yes,
3: more dependency. Yes, you're totally correct. So, 10 years. District gets nothing but cell phones and more dependency because Democrats believe that the solution to people's problems is bigger government, which we, we know leads to fiscal bloat. It leads to overbearing re- legislation. It, it leads to restriction of rights, and we see that playing out right now here in California. So after all those years of Barack Obama, what did they get? They got the equivalent of a consolation prize which is renaming Rodeo Road to Barack Obama Boulevard. Congratulations, black people. You got yourself a road renamed after a person who did nothing for you. And that's sad because they'll call... It's sad because they'll call...
2: I've gotten attacked or whatever. They'll call Donald Trump a racist, but the data doesn't support that. Yet they embrace Obama, who did absolutely nothing for them, and all he did will support wall street and and, it, and it's sad you talk to the, chicago the, to people the yeah you talk about the, you talk to the people in chicago and i I've, I've shared some videos of reporters on the ground there talking to african Americans about Barack obama it ain't it's not nice you know uh it's a shame that Some of America still holds the news in high regard, um, and news has been manipulating our society for the past 30 years, 40 years. And and it's sad that today, with computers and everything we have access to, that people don't do their own reading and research. You know,
1: in today, people... You you both are so right, and that was such a you know goodness. I mean, I hope that gets blasted out there, Earl, through all your uh, website and information, because the American people need to hear that. They need to hear mm-hmm. the real talk. That's why the Michael and Chauncey show is here. Um, Earl, thank you so much for coming on the show and the value of what uh-huh. you're doing for the community in California. Please give the listeners, because we only have uh, a few minutes here, just your website and where your information they could go. And uh, we look forward to hearing back from you. And, and definitely now that I'm back in the race running in District 21, I'm going to refile my paperwork here in oh, Florida. God. Uh, we, yeah, absolutely. We've got to we got to fight the deep state and I can't just give up like that. You know, I can't go down without a fight. Uh-huh. So I'm going to just pay the fee to get back in. And I'm going to be doing that um, by March to get qualified for the primary. Fantastic. Absolutely.
3: Fantastic. Uh, I want to share with listeners what needs to happen here in California. We have a lot of state level issues that are crippling Californians when it comes to quality of life. And I am determined to help, our Californian voters, not just in my district, but throughout all of California with learning about the issues that affect them and how voting Republican can work in their favor because finally, they see that there is a party that champions individual liberties and champions smaller governments, champions lower taxes, and also champions their ability for them to reinvest in their community and watch their community grow with them. So to learn more about my campaign and to join me, to volunteer, to share my content, and to donate to my campaign, you can visit Weber2020.com, W-E-B-B-E-R 2020.com.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. Thank,
2: Thank you, you it's Earl. It's a blessing to have you.
1: Wow, Chauncey, that was really great. Again, I mean, the guests we had on today were both so dynamic. I mean, this show is just going to explode. I'm so happy for our listeners and for America and for the people who want the real talk, because now they're finally going to get it through the Michael and Chauncey show. What do you think?
2: Michael, this is a wonderful opportunity, like you said, for the American people to get it right, get it straight. I want to thank the Most High. Uh, You are both, and I are both moved By God, we serve God, and we live our life with God, and we try to share that in our daily lives, even in our work on this show. Uh, I'm blessed to be a part of this show. I am blessed to be a part of the awesome guests that come on our show that are talking to the American people straight and letting the American people know what we really need. You know, this show is about telling you what you need and not what you want to hear. We keep it right. We keep it real here on the Michael and Chauncey Show and, and, and blessed to be a part of this awesome opportunity.
1: Exactly. You know, and people, you know, everybody who's listening, if you can help contribute to the show, you can do that at the Michael and Chauncey Show through Patreon. Uh, it's really important that you help us. Um You know, but, you know, it's great. You know, running for Congress has given me a lot of insight and, you know, working with a lot of candidates across the country. And that's why I have to jump back into the race because I can't let this valuable information just go to waste. And the community needs me. You know, I look at it like this is a colleague from God and the show here that we have, the work that you're doing, the work I'm doing, you know, this is all a blessing. And to me, it's about sharing this information with American people and to make the world a better place. that's what I strive to do every single day. I know you do as well. So it's exciting to have this level of guests, this access. But, you know, this is just the beginning of the iceberg, the tip of it. I mean, we're, we're the ceiling is going to be so high. And uh, I know that I can win my seat in Florida District 21. And I'm going to fight the establishment. I'm going to fight them hard. They're going to be very upset that I'm coming back into the race they're going to try to destroy me every chance they can and what I say to them is the same thing I said to them before but now I have a lot more institutional knowledge and I'm a lot more powerful is bring your best because I serve Jesus Christ and when you serve God you ha- you don't bow down to man. I don't have any special interest. I love America, I love the American people and I love doing the right thing and you know it's not always easy to do that. You know, I'm not a perfect person, and I don't think anyone is, but the bottom line is that when you do things and you want to help the people, good things will happen. I just need the support. It's going to take a lot of support, so I'm looking forward to that. I know that you're going to have me on your show next week um, as well, mm-hmm. and also um, on our show coming up on Thursday. Our show airs every Tuesday and Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. We're going to have Basil Baz on the line. He owns the company, Art. And he's working with child sex trafficking and ending that epidemic, and it's going to be very exciting to have him on the show. So, Chauncey, thanks for being on the show with me. Thank you for all your valuable information and your love for America.
0: Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Michael and Chauncey Show. Please follow us on Twitter at Liberty Today USA. You can also contribute to the show on Patreon.